Now, good morning, everyone. I'd like to read with you in the Gospel of John, if you would please. And we'll read, first of all, in John chapter 3. John chapter 3, and we'll just read here verse 34 and verse 35. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God does not give the Spirit by measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. We just sang about the love of the Lord Jesus for each one of us. I'd like to speak to you for just a few minutes this morning about the love of the Father for the Son. The love of the Father for the Son. I think if we're honest, we would have to admit, and I'm sure we could agree, that we are living in a world where the definition of love is really warped. It's twisted. So that we are accused of not having love. That's how you can know what their definition or what the definition that is held by many in our world is. If You don't love someone if you don't accept or even approve of their choices, right? They say, if you you don't love. After all, we're Christians and we should love. And we should, I see, see they're confusing there. They're assuming that love is the same as permission and as acceptance, That if we love, we accept whatever anybody else's choice may be. Now, if we are surrounded by a world that says, no matter what anybody chooses, we are supposed to approve of that. Is there any chance that that thinking that's all around us, that that's the definition of love, Is there any possibility that that kind of thinking would creep into Christians' thinking? That it would show up in Christian music. That it would show up in Christian literature. That it would show up in assembly Christians. That it would show up in assembly Christian teaching, that it would show up in me, which is what worries me. So can that warped, twisted thinking start to affect us so that we don't know what real love is anymore? There's a lot of other versions of that, but what I want to do this morning is I want to go back and I want to look at What is real love? Now, when you come to a conference as a speaker, Brother Phil on Friday night was talking about 
some of the things we, we think about when we come to speak at a conference. One of the things you fear is that you, everyone else is thinking on a certain line, and then you're off in left field. The other thing you're concerned about is when you come with a certain message on your heart, somebody else gets up and steals that message. Where's Doug? I want to speak about love, the love of God, but specifically the love of the Father for the Son. Because really, when you go back to the beginning, where is the first mention of love? It's not Isaac who lays his eyes upon Rebekah for the first time. He's married to her, and it, the Bible says that he loved her. It's beautiful. If that were the first mention, we would say the standard of love is the love of the Lord Jesus for his bride. And I don't want to take anything away from that. But actually, the first mention would be Abraham, the son that thou lovest. It's actually the love of a father for a son. Or more accurately, what we're looking at today, it is the love of the father for the son. That's the standard of love. Now, this is not some discussion about some something that's out there, kind of abstract concept, and it's actually very practical. What does it mean to love? It's one thing to just say, well, the father loved the son. But what does that, what, what is the specific practical way that the father loves the son? Well, that's what I want to see with you this morning. Because you'll know that John in his writings, he says 10 times, he speaks about that we should, we should love one another. Paul picks that up too. And he writes to the Romans and he says, Oh, no man anything except to love one another. He writes to the Thessalonians and he says that you've been taught by God to love one another. And then Peter picks it up. And Peter writes that we should love one another fervently out of a pure heart. So all of the New Testament writers are getting hold of this concept. The concept of love is critical. It's vital. But it has to be modeled after the standard of love that is from God, which is the love of the Father for the Son. Now, this is just one of about seven times in John's gospel where you have, you have the mention that the Father loves the Son. And every time it's mentioned, you'll get a little diff, just a little insight as to what that love really means. And remember, we're not just looking through a glass window. If you and I love each other, this is what we, how we should love. So, for example, the Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. We read about how he's given the Spirit without measure to him. And we read there in the verse that uh, he whom God has sent speaks the word of God, for God does not give the Spirit by measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Now, now, what does that mean? Well, I would take it that love looks for opportunities to express trust in others. The Father loves the Son 
and has put all things into his hand. What about creation? Remember how that worked? You say, who in the beginning, God, and yet the New Testament tells us all things were made by him. The agent of creation, our beloved Savior that we've remembered this morning, God entrusted that work to him. Imagine that. What an expression of love. The revelation of the Father. The full revelation, it's in the Son. The Father has given the judgment of the world. All judgments were found in this. You come to chapter 17, the Lord Jesus in his prayer, he reviews. I think there may be seven things there that he, he reviews that the Father gave him. You see, it's a giving. You say, well, it's sacrificial. Well, here it's not so much sacrifice. It's the idea of trust and trusting. You know, we're told in the book of Genesis about another father who loved a son. You recall Jacob, he loved Joseph. What does it say shortly after that? It says, yes, he was tending the sheep there, but he, he entrusted his son with a responsibility. He didn't send a servant. He entrusted his son to go and see the condition of his brothers. You remember that? You see, a father loving a son, he would entrust him. He would look for opportunities to trust. I think Paul said that love is believing all things. There's a certain level of trust. You know, it's a lot easier just to do it yourself. That way you don't have to worry that it might not be done right, because we always do things right, correctly? The father had no questions. If you wonder whether God loves us, look at some of the things he has put into our hands he has trusted us with. Incredible. You see, that's love. And so you go back and you say, do I love one another? Do I look for opportunities to hold on to things? Or do I look on for opportunities to put into the hands of others? Now, you got to be careful with that if you're anything like me, because there could be two possibilities. One could be laziness. Eh, I don't feel like doing it. Why don't you do it? The other option is selfishness. I don't want to do that. I don't, that's going to cost me. Why don't you do that? Our, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, I, don't, I, I will say it just to be consistent with my thinking here. He was not lazy or selfish. He was loving. And he put into it, the Father loves the Son and has put all things. It says, the Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Can I just mention as well, husbands love your wives? We look for opportunities to express trust or express doubt, criticism. This is true love. It's the love that is trusting. Go over to chapter 5, if you would, please. Chapter 5, verse 20. Notice what it says here. For the Father loves the Son 
and shows him all things that he himself does, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. The Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. By the way, you may have heard it said that there is a divine, there's a word that describes divine love, a verb in its verb form, agapao. And then there's a, they, you hear men talk and write, and you find it in writings where they talk about that there's a human love, and that's called, that's the verb phileo. That is unequivocally not true. Because we read the Father loves the Son and the Father loves the Son. We've read it twice. And those are the two verbs that I just mentioned talking about the Father for the Son. So don't think that there's an earthly love and a heavenly love. That's not in the Bible. They're synonyms in a lot of ways, but there are differences. That's not my subject today. I just want to think here about how the love of the Father, how is it expressed? It's expressed in sharing, in sharing. Not so much I'm thinking now of sharing of information, <clears throat> thinking of the sharing of involvement. Remember the first mention of love, Abraham and Isaac? What's the expression that stands out? One of the expressions that stands out in Genesis 22. Is it not that they went both of them together? You see, love is sharing involvement. What did the Lord Jesus say in this gospel? He said, my father works hitherto, and I work. You see, there was sharing together. And so we'd read the story of creation, and the question is, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and then we read about the sun, and we know that the spirit moved upon the water, and we say, who created, the, who did create, who, who, the work of creation? Who was that done by? The Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit? And you know the answer, Yes. But the agent was, according to the New Testament, it is the Lord Jesus. So, but there was a fellowship. That's my point. When you go, for example, to consider the, the cross, you say, oh, well, that was the son. And yet the book of Hebrews tells us that he, through the eternal spirit, offered himself without spot to God. It was beautiful fellowship. In the, in the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus at the cross, sharing together. You say, I love all the Christians in the assembly I'm a part of. I just can't stand being around them. I can't work with any of them. You do not love them if we cannot work together. Because the Father and the Son, the Father loves the Son, and He shows Him. Sharing all inform sharing information, revealing, yes, but I think it's involvement. And so that is how you have a father loving a son. Husbands, do we love our wives? Do we share together? I don't mean just opening hearts and feelings. Are we working together? I can't say I love her if I'm not willing to be involved sharing together. Go to chapter 10 quickly, if you would please. John chapter 10.
Look at verse 17, if you would please. <clears throat> now the Lord Jesus is speaking. He says, therefore, my father loves me. Isn't that beautiful? Why does the father love the son? You say, well, this kind of love should be a love that's unconditional. Well, yes, but notice what it says. Therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This command have I received from my father. The interesting thing here is that love has a because. Normally, this love does not have a because, but here it does. I don't think it's the idea that somehow if the Lord Jesus, we don't even want to suggest that if he think about it, if he didn't lay down his life, the father wouldn't. That's not what it's saying. I think it's more just this. True love is not only trusting. True love is not only sharing. True love is appreciating. Can you imagine the father? No, you can't. Neither can I. What was in his heart as his son voluntarily Obedient unto death, he laid down his life. You think that thrills your heart? What about God's heart? The Father loves, you see, love appreciates, notices positive actions, sacrificial action, and expresses appreciation. Little surprise. Well, it is actually surprises me, maybe, that in John's gospel, we don't have the voice from heaven speaking. A lot of maybe a number of reasons for that. But in the other Gospels, we do get it was quoted this morning. The father saying he wasn't forced. He wasn't faking. It's a wonder there wasn't a constant, constant dialogue. The father said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. But. That's just Matthew's gospel. Mark and Luke's gospel is where he says to him, thou art my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And so you have the father expressing and appreciating. You see, appreciation goes with a love. Don't claim you love your brothers and sisters. If you never appreciate them. We are not called to appreciate wrong choices. That's the fallacy of the love of our world. And we are not called, love is not tolerating everything that is against the will of God. But love does look for opportunities to appreciate and express appreciation. The father loved the son because he says, I lay down my life. Sorry, I just can't help think about it. All of you husbands, all of us, we cannot claim we love our wives if we are not appreciating and expressing appreciation. That's the standard of love. In a selfish world, we are called husband's love. And this is the kind of love. The father 
loves. He says here, my father loves me. It's an appreciating love. The Lord Jesus showed this. He loved his disciples. He loved them unto the end. What does it say? He says to them, he says, I appreciate something. He says, you have been with me in my trials. Love appreciates. Always looks. Sometimes it's hard to find in some of us. But love finds, looks, and appreciates. Now just go to the final reading, John 17. John chapter 17. John 17. Actually, I skipped 15 and 9. If you read that, it would say, As the Father loved me, I also loved you. Abide in my love. I'll just mention that as I pass. You see, there it just says, As the Father loved me, I have loved you. So, the Father's love for the Son was the same love that the Son was displaying for others. Okay? Now, wasn't that he would ever consider anything else. But you understand how that love duplicates true love. It's a love that's motivating. You see, you can't force people to love. The way you get people to love is love. Right? Now, there was no forcing. There was never making. There was never beginning. And the love of the Lord Jesus. But it's interesting that there is a parallel love between a father for the, for the father for the son and the son for his disciples. So could I just bring that down real practically to us this morning? Would you be happy for all the other believers in your assembly to love you the way you love them? You see, do you want a reciprocal love? Would I be happy as a husband for my wife to love me the way I love her? The way the father loves the son, that love then is duplicated, it is replicated. It is, for us, it's motivating. You see, that's the way it works. It's a real challenge to, if I want to improve the amount of love in the assembly, how about improving my love first? Bring it up closer to the standard. And that will have an effect. It will be shown out in the love of others. But I want to come to chapter 17 because here, notice verse 23. Verse 23. The Lord Jesus says, I am them and you and me that they may be perfect in one. That the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Now, this is a bit complicated. But you'll know that in this Prayer of the Lord Jesus. About five times he talks about that they may be as one. They may be as one. But he talks about how, as he's speaking to the Father, as we are one. Here he says now. Get the connection that where there is unity, there is love. And where there is love, there is unity between the Father and the Son. John said later, our fellowship is truly is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. You see, love unites. But be very careful 
with that statement, please. Because sometimes people looks like division. And then people twist it and they say, you don't, there's no love. If you cause division, let me be careful now. You see, people confuse the idea. I can confuse this. But really, it's an attack on the very person of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because, for example, you come to chapter 6 of this gospel, and it says, because of his hard sayings, many went away. Our world would say he's not loving, wouldn't they? But because he spoke, they went away. It's his, he's dividing. No, 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 no. Readjust our thinking. Pull the warp out of our twisted thinking. Love and truth, John got it. Love and truth go together. The Lord Jesus could have done nothing more loving for them than to confront them with his hard, what they called his hard sayings. His demands, his commands with truth. The division was caused when his disciples went away. Not by him, but by them. Because they wouldn't accept the truth he was teaching. So there's a difference. He never divided people because of his mannerisms. But the truth he taught, it did produce difference. But he did it because he loved them. Truth expressed his love. But truth is what brings you unity. And so love here in oneness are all connected together. And so I would say that true love is going to bring about unity, has the potential, if it is allowed to operate, true love will bring about unity. Look at verse 24. The Lord Jesus, as he's going to the cross, facing the greatest trial, is enjoying the love of the Father for the Son. You can see it, verse 24 again. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me. For you loved me. This is not now from the foundation of the world. There are certain things in the New Testament that are from the foundation of the world. I would take it maybe particularly to the beginning of time and of creation, the kingdom prepared from the foundation of the world and the works that were finished and the Names that were not written from the foundation of the world. You get that? This is before. This is before. Before. This is eternal love. So here I learn another characteristic of the love of the Father for the Son. And that is it's enduring. Paul just said it another way. He said love has no end. So if you would allow for a moment an English teacher to try and speak to you about mathematics... And if I get it wrong, I have to put that disclaimer in ahead of time. But if you were to draw the love of the Lord Jesus, it would not be a parabolic, love of the Father for the Son, it would not be a parabolic curve that rose and fell, or fell and rose. You would not draw a wave when it went up and down. You would not draw a ray. Have I got this right? It starts at a point and then goes. 
It was not a segment. Some students here are having allergic reaction because they don't like math. It had no beginning point and ending point. It's a line. No beginning. No end. Never a question in his mind that his father would no longer love him. So how many Christians in your assembly have a doubt as to whether you love them or whether you will always love them? How many wives in their hearts today there's a question. Don't blame them. The father, he says, the father's love. He said, this is a love. It's the line of love. Eternal. Constant. Unending. Lastly, look at the next verse. I'm sorry, verse 26. says, I have declared to them your name and will declare it. That the love with which you have loved me be in, may be in them, and I in them. Here, there's an interesting connection the Lord Jesus makes between him declaring their name and the love of the Father being in the disciples. So what does it mean to declare his name? It just doesn't mean he walked up to the disciples and he said, I just want you to know that my Father is called Father. That, that's not what that means. You recall in the Old Testament, that the very names of God, when they were discovered by, by, by saints, and the thrilling realization and of a revelation of God. And so you go through your Old Testament and you'll read about Jehovah Nissi and Jehovah Rapha and Jehovah Shammah and Jehovah Sidkenu and Jehovah Jireh and Jehovah Shal- Shalom. <clears throat> I wonder if the Lord Jesus sat with the disciples and he went through some of those names and he just... He actually did, whether he used those names or not, he revealed. Because he said, first of all, he said that no one knows the Father except the Son. Then he said, no one knows the Son, of course, as well. He said, no one knows the Son, the Father. But he said, now, to the disciples, I've been declaring your name, and I'm going to continue to do this, likely through the Spirit. The revelation, the understanding of the Father, he says, that will mean that the Father will be, the love of the Father will be in them. And I'll be there too. So, could I just put this this way about love? This divine love, I'm now just going to step away because this is what we all long to, to display. The connection is, how can I have an increased love? How could I have more of the love of the Father for the Son, that kind of love in me, towards my wife and towards my brothers and sisters in Christ? The Lord Jesus says, connected to the knowledge of God. It's not just an academic knowledge. It's really getting knowing the, the character of God. And all of its infinite vastness. He says, I'll declare his name. I will, I have, and I will declare. So that the love of the Father 
that I have enjoyed. So it can be, if you'll allow me to say it this way, it can be increasing. We need to get to know our God. That's how, as we get to know the features of our God, our Father, those features will come out in us and be displays of love. Now, the Lord Jesus never got to know his Father. He always knew his Father. Infinite knowledge of an infinite person. And it was infinitely and will be infinitely displayed. But he says, now that will be in them, in them, the disciples. And it can be in us. So I ask you about your love. Is it trusting? Is it sharing, appreciating, motivating, uniting, enduring? And is it developing? I hope this just gives us a little idea that there's a lot of homework to be done on love. And it's found by understanding the love of God. The Father loves the Son. May God bless us.